exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what we do at Kung Fu Podcast. I'm your host, Sifu, T.W. Smith. Thank you so much for joining me today, and we're going to have a special episode. I'm going to be trying to take this one as a little bit of a practice for me, so bear with me. Where I'm going to have a little bit less editing, I'm going to just kind of turn the mic on and let it roll. So you're kind of going to flow with me from beginning to end of this podcast, mostly because, unlike many of the others, occasionally, uh, in order to keep the continuity of the program going, I'm going to have more brief and informal practices, uh, well, practices, that's what I would call a practice of my own, right? So uh, you don't have to show up all in uniform and be all prim and proper, especially on days that you and I are going to practice together. I just want you to come in uh, dressed, ready to work, and uh, let's go at it and have some fun, get some work done, and see what we do well and what we don't do well. What we would call an informal practice, no guilt practice, whether we do well or not doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that we will get better with practice. But This is going to be an episode kind of in that tone. Uh, It's one of the few times I'm going to just try to let the mic roll and let's see where we go. If you're a first-time listener here, uh, (laughs) I don't know quite what to tell you. Uh, Just kind of grab a hold. We're going to be fine. If we're going for a walk, it should be entertaining at a minimum. The first thing I have here on my bullet points is I want to talk about Kung Fu Podcast 108 through 110, which was absolutely the most challenging podcast I've done so far because it was uh, really important to me to do a good job uh, for Ian Abernathy and his crew and his forum over there who uh, it's a real pleasure if you want to find his work kungfupodcast.com forward slash Ian but uh, I want to do a good job by them and then of course the research uh, with Dr. Uh, Magda Osman and tying those two things together and what literally happened to me during that podcast, and if you tell, I was pretty disappointed in episode 110 in the beginning, because if you can hear it, um, I was I was a little tired, and <laughs> I mean physically tired, because what had happened was is that I was getting ready to sit down to edit that podcast, and I had done the research and re, uh, reviewed my notes. Uh, a lot of times I will uh, go through the notes and say them out loud so I can make sure I do a good job with them as much as I can anyway. And I got ready to sit down to edit that podcast and realized that it had not even been recorded. I had reviewed it and rehearsed it so many times in my mind and through uh, talking it out that I literally had figured, of course, I had recorded it. And so I woke up the next morning and nothing. So I had to uh, hightail it in there early that morning. And you could probably tell in my voice I was a little bit beat. Because I was trying to get myself together. And as the podcast went along, of course, I, uh, the Java started kicking in a little bit. And my voice started cleaning, uh, picking up some. But I just want to tell you, I normally love to bring my energy into Kung Fu Podcast. But that particular trilogy of episodes absolutely had me in some sort of time warp. But uh, I really did enjoy that. And some other things that came along with it, too. First, thank you all for uh, contact me and your comments about those episodes. In fact, it's going to actually come up in this particular episode one more time in regards to how we think about things. 
just as a quick reminder, several of you have reached out through the Facebook or Twitter messages and let me know that I was going to see you in Dallas, North Carolina, come April 9th, 10th, and 11th, where I'm going to be part of a group teaching with some of my friends like Troy Price, Alex Armaza, and you can find out more about that seminar at kungfupodcast.com forward slash shurite. And one other seminar I thought I'd mention here is that Ian Abernathy is going to be in Madison, Alabama, March 31st through April the 2nd. If you're a practical martial artist, I would highly encourage you to get involved in the World Combat Association. It's a good group of folks, and they have various styles represented throughout the association. But the main thing I wanted to do today was to introduce Kung Fu Podcast's agent of action, Dr. Paul Bowman's book, Mythologies of Martial Arts, which was inspired by a 1957 book titled Mythologies of Martial Arts. Early on when I got ready to start Kung Fu Podcast, I was writing back and forth uh, with uh, Dr. Ben Judkins and Dr. Bowman. But one of the things that uh, Ben often would say is that when you're looking at a book, make sure that you read the introduction and that a lot of times the real fodder for thought and inspiration is inside the introduction. Now, to be honest with you, that was not a practice I had had up to that point. But since then, I make a concerted effort to read through the forward and introduction of every book I look at. And I'm glad I did, because Dr. Bowman didn't disappoint. During the introduction to this book, Paul makes the point that you can never be sure of when martial arts is just martial arts. He writes on page 15, quote, Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. So perhaps, sometimes martial arts are just martial arts. But sometimes they clearly aren't, particularly when they become imbued in other values, practices, signs, and symbols. Think, for example, of the many potential and actual ways martial arts have become connected with all kinds of ideas of nationalism, masculinity, feminism, subculture, character, identity, race, ethnicity, history, expertise, status, health, mysticism, fantasies about other cultures, and so on. Indeed, perhaps we can never be quite sure when martial arts are just martial arts. End quote. Well, one of the biggest challenges for me is in, when I'm reading works from Dr. Junkins or Stanley Hennings or Dr. Bowman, some of these folks, is that he brings to the table in his arguments both, both things that are tangible and intangible. And he can wrestle with them both in like the same paragraphs at a very high level of scholarship. And as well, their own topics that are so diversified, such as culture, myths, and including which one of the areas he really focuses a lot in is cinema. A lot of times within his sentences and his words and his research, he can make a mist look solid, bringing to you a new perspective, some clarity, and in many cases just raises a whole mess of questions. Which brings me to the next point, is that here at Kung Fu Podcast, I always tell you it doesn't matter what style of martial arts you practice, or even the reasons why you practice it. You just want to make sure that what you're practicing lines up with your objectives. 
It's through work like Dr. Bowman's that you can begin to see that even if you're practicing, let's say, within the same system, you could take Choli foot system or you could take a karate system. It wouldn't matter which system. But that you will begin to notice that the why you practice a particular style or system can change the culture within that style or system. For example, I can share with you very sincerely that in Chinese martial arts is that being a part of a group that practices, let's say, Tai Chi for health is very different than the culture you would find when I'm teaching the Tai Chi Tuan as a practical, traditional martial art. It's because of this diversity in culture that Paul says trying to define martial arts as one thing is never going to be adequate. One of the other things I learned through Ben is that before we would have a discussion on any topic, we had to define what that topic was. But by that defining, we weren't implying that this is the way and the only way it could be defined. It was that we were going to define something like martial arts as what we were trying to discuss at that moment. So, for example, there could be a question that we were associating with martial arts. And we were defining martial arts that that conversation inside the scope is that it was civilian-based, hand-to-hand combat with the objective of protecting the community and oneself. Now, comparing that to Paul's approach, where he writes about the defining of martial arts as, quote, This is why this book, nor any of my other writings, ever seriously engages with or proposes a definition of martial arts. I tend to think, as Wittgenstein argued, that if you want to find out what a word means, it may not be best to pick up a dictionary. It may be better to simply look at how people use the word. End quote. And Paul practices martial arts himself, and so he's going to take you through examples of his practice and many others in some history during the book. But beyond defining a single word, he brings up in one of the areas that he's very skilled in is the problems that we have from translating from one culture to another. He writes, when translating anything, either from one language to another or from one time period to another, we always translate it into our current concerns, interests, values, and worldviews. And it's this type of translating things that sometimes brings up questions. We all wrestle with defining and understanding things, uh, perhaps in our systems or in our culture. Is this part of the martial arts? Is it not? Should you practice this or not? Consider how the headbutt was presented and argued as part of your martial arts training during episodes 108, 109, and 110. Ian Abernathy presented the arguments from a well-respected karate text. Yet through time, and as well as across nationalities, it is argued that one should practice it. It's argued that one should only practice it up to the point of just mentioning it and then not physically acting out. So then we end up in a place where we ask, what happened throughout culture or time that it would take something as specific as using a headbutt, which is known as being a very effective tool when needed, and how it is now perceived through a new time and a new culture. 
And this is where the book, Mythologies of Martial Arts, steps in. I've read the first three chapters, and I'm just sharing with you right now the introduction. If you have an interest in the culture of martial arts, this is a great piece. And interestingly enough, not just cross-international cultures, as we were just talking about. Interestingly enough, not just to cross-international cultures either. For example, the karate culture of the UK versus the karate culture of Japan. But across time in one nation. How can one Chinese man in China find his forefathers' cultures and values inside of the martial arts that he was practicing, let's say, in 1940 or 1890? How has the culture changed inside of one village in the past 80 years? And how has that affected how the martial arts has been practiced? And if you wanted to find the old ways in someone of your own blood in your own town, how are you going to do it? Is it even possible or is it just a myth that you could even try to find it? Let me quickly share with you some of the highlights of some of the chapters and their titles uh, from the table of contents. One is the wrestling myth. And then there's the status of martial arts in the West, from the Kung Fu craze to Master Ken. Then the next one is cross-cultural desire in Western Eastern martial arts. The next one, the one I'm getting ready to start, is a big myth and brings up all kinds of good feelings and thoughts. <laughs> Uh, the circulation of chi in media and culture. Then there's myths of martial arts history, authority, and authenticity. There are several others, and it finishes with martial arts myth today. I'll be bringing you some reviews of the book as we go along. I wanted to take this particular episode and introduce the mythologies of martial arts written by Dr. Paul Bowman because he's done so much to support this program and it's a good piece of work that will challenge me in many different ways. But I wanted to keep the continuity of the program up. Occasionally I may have to take a little break. But you all, some of the sharpest and finest martial artists in the world, are worth it. I just want to kind of keep doing a little piece to keep us all going and keep us moving, and I appreciate you all working with me. I also know that several of you said that some of the older podcasts are uh, uh, not available right now. I'm working on it, trying to find out uh, what's exactly going on with some of the earlier podcasts. I think this one is number 111. So as we're continuing to move forward, I'm sure I'm going to have some little hiccups along the way. I appreciate your patience as I try to uh, figure those things out. Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. Thank you so much for joining me today in episode number 111. And don't forget, when you go out to practice today, no matter why you practice or what system you practice, give it your best. You know, we're all martial artists and we all may practice for different reasons and different systems. But we do share a common bond. And as I have reported to you from different national studies, martial artists represent a very small percentage of any population of people. So instead of bickering and looking over trivial reasons to complain about one another, get out there and do your work. Test your craft respectfully with one another. Argue your points from both defense and prosecution. Have a great workout, and I'll be talking with you again soon.